Welcome to VR Hermits, a podcast about virtual reality development. I'm Dave Ramsey. And I'm Joe Simpson. How's it going, Dave? Doing good, Joe. How you doing? <laughs> doing good. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of a dicey start there. <laughs> so we, uh, we missed last week uh, for some reasons I don't really want to go into. I just didn't really have much to talk about last week with some other stuff going on. Um, but I've got some topics this week, and then we've got uh, kind of a larger and more interesting topic from you for the second half and or four-fifths of the podcast. So I'm going to dive in, unless you have any quick updates. Nope, go for it. Okay, so something that isn't particularly developer-related, but it was kind of neat in VR. So I've got this Windows Mixed Reality headset. I've got two of them. And uh, been using the Samsung Odyssey more and more. And I decided last week, or not last week, last episode, um, I recorded the episode on the PC, which I don't think I'm going to do again. I wasn't really crazy about the audio quality. Um, but then I did all of the show editing on that PC in audition while in the mixed reality cliff house, <laughs> which was like kind of cool, but didn't really add anything to the workflow other than like I was less bored than I normally am. It's kind of a boring process of just listening to the entire show again and cutting out stupid sounds and grunts and we don't really edit for content anymore. So, you know, what you hear in the show is pretty much the, the conversation as it happens, but we both make the occasional, you know, smacking of the desk sound or whatever that just needs to get cut out and they cut out, you know, a couple dozen of those per episode. So it's, it's usually a pretty boring process of just like listening to the exact same conversation that I just had. <laughs> so doing it in VR was kind of fun. I played Universal Paperclips in another window the whole time. And then, uh, I started getting multiple sessions running, but that didn't really work because of the way that Universal Paperclips caches data in the browser. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, it was neat. I don't think I'll be doing it again anytime soon. What um, you need to do is use different browsers. So like one in Chrome, one in Edge, and one in like Safari and just... Yeah, well only Edge is the only one that's actually a UWP app that will show up as its own window in the Cliffhouse, everything else shows up in the desktop window, which I had full of auditions. So it's pretty much Edge or using Chrome on the desktop. Gotcha. Just, I didn't realize that the UWP part was a limitation or a requirement, mm -hmm. shall we say. Yeah, so all of these standalone windows that you see when you look at my Cliffhouse, those are all UWP apps. Only UWP apps can fit in there. I did come up with a pretty, actually I didn't, I didn't come up with this. I read an article and followed the instructions, <laughs> um, some documentation from Microsoft, on how to turn a pretty much any web app into a UWP app. And it takes about five minutes. Um, so there's a couple things that I wanted to have in their own window. And uh, it didn't work with Google Keep, but I think that's just a limitation with how Google is structuring that app. But there's some web apps that I can make. I may eventually just make a couple of, um, you know, low quality, quick and dirty web apps that just run on the machine, and then make them into UWP apps so I can use them in the Cliff House. 
But uh, yeah, um, like I said, editing, it didn't really add anything to the experience doing it in VR, but it didn't really take anything away from the experience. The It's pretty simple. Like I used basically a mouse and two buttons on the keyboard for the entire workflow. And uh, running the VR session didn't seem to slow the machine down enough to affect audition. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a while before VR replaces <clears throat> a mouse and keyboard and a monitor the way that I want it to. Um, like I, I would love to work like that all the time, but it just, it didn't improve anything. It didn't particularly slow me down, but it probably did a little bit if I'm honest, but I don't know. The, the HoloLens version of that would probably be way cooler where I could have multiple windows just pinned around my office in varying orientations. But uh, at this point, the, the Windows Mixed Reality version of that was kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of like ways that, because just spacing out the windows is not actually going to make me more productive. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking that I might actually be able to use an equivalent of something like Spaces in VR yeah. so that like focusing on a small collection of windows would then blow them up. We pretty much need eye tracking to really make yeah. that work, but just focusing on a, so I, I can have all these little small windows and then just shift context from window to window just by looking at the window. And then I would be in, it would expand out. It would be in that one. Yeah. That was something cool. like that. I did try to, um, I set up like, eight windows around me in a circle and tried to use the rotation to, to switch between them. But the rotation went in like chunks of degrees. It didn't really match up with the circle. So that got boring pretty quickly. But uh, I guess, you know, the nice part about it is I can do this away from my desk. So I spent most of the time editing the podcast sitting on the floor and just using the controller. Um, so yeah, there's that. Like I said, it's it's really useful for Unity development because I can do Unity development in VR and then run the app in VR without without having to put the headset on and off twenty times an hour. Right. But uh, aside from that, I don't really see any super compelling workflows for any of the stuff that I do. Yet. Yet, yeah. I I, I want somebody to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Of course, part of solving that problem is coming up with a VR headset that I can wear for eight straight hours. Yeah. But Another we'll current there. limitation of the Windows Mixed Reality platform, and I'm not sure if this is on their roadmap or not, but currently there are two, basically two different types of UWP apps that you can access in Windows Mixed Reality. The regular 2D app that just acts as a standalone window, and you just point and click at it to turn it on. Um, and then just interact with it with the mouse and keyboard or the laser pointer on the controller. <clears throat> and then the other is basically an app launcher for a VR experience. So like Minecraft is a good example. You can just drag the Minecraft logo out, stick it on a shelf somewhere, and just point and click at it when you want to go into Minecraft. Steam VR works the same way. There isn't yet an overlap of like, can I make a, a 3D widget or an app that can do little things inside the clubhouse, like you know, a tape measure or um, a sundial, things like that. You can put 3D models in there, but they're not little programs. They're just 
3D models. They don't really do anything. Right. Some of them can have animations, but other than that, they're, they're just dumb objects. And I would really like to have the ability to make all kinds of widgets and just useful trinkets to like deck out the environment. If, if they have that on the roadmap, I will probably just abandon game development and just make those until I die. <laughs> like, I love that type of stuff. Joe's Widget Factory, Inc. Pretty much, yeah. Just churning out widgets. So yeah, the, uh, the Samsung Odyssey is getting a bit more comfortable with added use. Like the padding is kind of softened up around the forehead. And I'm just getting more used to it. The other thing is I uh, I was looking for a way to solve the issue with the lenses being too close to my glasses. And I spent a couple of days just trying to adjust it in various ways or like keep it pulled out in a certain way. And what I came up with was actually just putting some padding on the little plastic between the two lenses that kind of hit where my the frame of my glasses sits on my nose and just holds my glasses back. And uh, so the the padding is actually three pieces of padding that I cut out of a big sheet of material that came with my air conditioner. I'm supposed to like use it for insulation <clears throat> and uh, didn't really need it when I installed the air conditioner. So I just cut this up into tiny little squares and used it in there and they got a, you know, a sticky side on one side and a non-sticky side. So I just stacked up three of them and they're just a little bit taller than the lenses and do what I need to do. So, you know, quick and dirty solution. Yeah. If you're trying to visualize this, it's effectively a thing that looks, it's about the size of a chiclet, but about twice as deep. And it's stuck right between the lenses on the VR headset, just right between them. And so it, when you put the VR headset on, now it pushes on your glasses right at the bridge of the nose. It keeps your glasses really snug up to your face and away from the lenses of the thing. It's, it's actually really cool. I was mm -hmm. impressed by the ad hoc, hacky effectiveness of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, it totally works for now. It gets the job done. It's not very elegant, but uh, it works. If it was a nice matte black, it might help as well. Yeah, or if it was like one piece instead of three things that I scissored out of a larger sheet. The other thing about the Odyssey, I'm still not used to the short cables. And uh, I tried to order some extension cables. Well, I didn't try to order them. I did successfully order them, and they successfully arrived. They did not work. Um, and I even ordered the exact Amazon basic cables that a bunch of people on Reddit said worked for them. And like, uh, this sucks. Like I've got the right version of HDMI, the right version of USB. And I tried them and, um, the mixed reality app just says, please connect your headset. And I even tried using one of them, like using the extended HDMI cable and only the USB on the regular cable. And then try the opposite, and that didn't work either. So apparently, it just doesn't like it. Hmm. What I haven't tried yet, and I meant to ask you for an adapter when we were at a user group the other day. Um, my laptop does have a Thunderbolt 3 port on the back, 
and I wonder if I can use one of those dual adapters that has HDMI and USB on it and pass it in that way. Okay. I have, I have no idea if that would work, but I didn't really want to spend 30 bucks on one of those <laughs> without testing it. So. Yeah, I actually had one in my bag that day. Yeah, and I keep forgetting to ask you. So yeah, you should uh, start wearing that around your neck when you leave the house. And then I'll remember. That, that adapter? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Just a, a necklace of dongles. Yeah. And there's a title. <laughs> so another quick topic before I move on to my development topic. Uh, a friend of mine has been over several times to play VR apps and experiences. And he's, I think this was his fourth time. Um, like he's played through all of Superhot and probably 20 different apps and experiences over the last couple of months. And every time he's like, yeah, you know, that's cool. Whatever. That's pretty neat. Superhot's a lot of fun. And then uh, he, I was showing him the Samsung Odyssey and the Mixed Reality platform, and he found Minecraft, which is a game that I'd never really played. Um, <laughs> some friends of mine have been into it. But he started playing it. It comes with like an hour and a half free trial. Um, and it's got a VR mode. And he just like flipped out. Like that was the thing. He was like, how much is this headset? Let me check my specs on my computer and make sure I can run this. Like, I don't know if he ordered one yet, but it's probably only a matter of time. And it was just interesting. Like we've talked several times about how VR is different things for different people. And for him, it was like something that he already really, really liked being able to see it in a different way. And yeah, huh. he was just pretty enthusiastic about it. He's probably going to go out and get Fallout 4 and a bunch of other stuff like that. I don't... Yeah. Is there, when you're playing Minecraft in VR, do you still... Do you have to swing the pickaxe or, no. or do you just hit a button? You just hit a button. Okay, good. Because I really don't want to swing that pick that often. Yeah, the other thing, it, it has two player modes. One is like the VR movement mode um, where you move with the thumbstick and you rotate, but you rotate in chunks, like maybe 15 or 20 degree increments rather than smooth rotation. And he didn't like that. He immediately switched it to traditional movement where you're just like rotating smoothly and I think you move a little bit faster Um and he was really into that because he's so used to that game. I tried that. I'm like, nope, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to fall over if I keep doing this. But uh, I don't know. It was just interesting to me. Like he had just tried Google Earth and um, what Universe Sandbox and a couple other things. I'm like, like, these are the things that really blow me away. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Minecraft, sweet. <laughs> game that I've been able to play for the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did play it a little bit myself, and uh, I don't know if I'll buy it or not, but it's not really high on my list. It's, you know, it's fun. It is, it's kind of nice that I've managed to avoid Minecraft all the way up until just the VR version. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. As a kid who grew up with playing with Legos, Minecraft is the world's best Lego set. It is, but I already have one of those. It's called Unity. <laughs> like, I, I do that type of okay. thing all day. So you can really, you can actually build worlds and have 
much higher fidelity control over them and the nature of their physics and the nature of reaction. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Minecraft is the video game version of unity development. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. It's neat, but I, like I said, I don't know if I'll spend 20 bucks on it. So that brings me to the other, my development topic for the week, um, which is Joe is still stuck on VR movement. So I think the last time we talked about this, I had come up with two kind of working things, one of which is just to use the simple movement code that I had to move a, a game object around the scene and then attach a nav mesh agent to that and keep me grounded, let me move up slopes and stuff. And I thought I might just keep doing that for the duration of the prototype, but after using it a little bit, I'm like, I just don't like it. I want to be able to jump off things and fall off things. And it just, it was too limiting. Um, the other was a third party um, plugin that I had bought on the asset store that had some bugs in it. I reported some bugs and got some feedback from the developer and they made a couple of small changes. It's still kind of buggy. Um, I did get it mostly working the way that I want, mostly. Um, so the way that it works now is basically you touch on the trackpad and you go in the direction that the controller is facing. Um, they had a mode, their, their default was to, if you, using the other hand, use the other trackpad, it would double the speed. But they were also calculating the forward vector based on the two forward vectors of both controllers. So you had to be like pointing them in relatively the same direction to get any movement. And I didn't like any of that. And they made a, an option to turn that off and only use one controller at a time. And that works. There's still some issues with the plugin. Um, mainly like I, their design pattern, I just don't think is suitable, which is, I know, hilarious coming from me um, with my total expertise in this environment. Um, but basically, they're, the way that they're handling this is make a game object, attach a class to it, that adds movement to the controllers and listens for input. So you're not adding, neither of these controllers have a movement class attached to them where you can calculate based on that. So as a result, they're doing some pretty weird and unreliable calculations at the start of a scene to assign the left controller and right controller. And sometimes it works fine and sometimes it doesn't. The same code can have different results if you run the app three different times. Like it's just inconsistent. And sometimes the right controllers get assigned everything, the inputs get assigned to the right things, and sometimes one of those things is off, sometimes both of those things are off. And <clears throat> if they were both off, it wouldn't be that big of a deal because you could just switch controllers. It's no big deal. But what happens is like the input will be off and the forward vector will be like you'll be, you click on the trackpad with your left hand, but it's using the forward vector of the controller in your right hand. Like that is clearly broken. <laughs> and, uh, or yeah. a really cool game design. I don't think it's cool at all. I think it's really stupid. Um, <clears throat> and basically they're, 
their excuses. Well, you know, we have to get this at runtime and calculate it out. Like, but SteamVR is already doing that. It's got this thing up here that you're supposed to interrogate for that. And they're just, they're not calling that. They're doing their own version of that. The other thing that I didn't like about their implementation is they're not doing any access values on the trackpad. Um, so I can't use forward and backwards, like up and down on the trackpad. I just have to have like go forward or not. So I'm not crazy about that. Um, other than that, it is working and they're, what they have working is enough for me to try to backward engineer and see if I can get what I want working. Um, the, the, the cool thing about what they did is they've got a rigid body, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not, they've got not a rigid body, they've got a character controller that they're just calling the move function on. So, you know, they're getting the input and calculating the, um, the forward vector of where this thing should be going and then calling, basically creating a vector and passing that into the character controller dot move method to move the player around. And it works pretty well. For some reason, when I try it using my own code and using a component that are attached to each controller, I can get it mostly working, but my game object, my uh, camera rig object is, I think the technical term is whapper jawed. <laughs> um, and I'm just not sure how to, like it falls apart basically. So you've got the camera rig parent object and then the left hand and the right hand and then the head. The head has an eye and an ear camera and at runtime, the hierarchy gets switched around a little bit. The eye and the head change place and the head gets disabled. Um, but the at runtime, the hierarchy is basically like this. Camera rig on top. At level two, you've got the controller, the left controller and the right controller, and the camera eye. And inside that, you've got the camera ear and the head target object that I'm giving it. For some reason, I, I can get my class moving around the scene just fine, or my prefab moving around the scene just fine, but my character controller stays right in the center of the VR play area, which is attached to the camera rig, where the VR camera and controllers are off of that significantly based on where I'm standing in my play space. So at first glance, you put on the headset and move, you know, test movement for a couple of seconds and it works just fine until you realize like, I can't go through a door. Like my character controller is back into the left of me, like a meter and a half. Like <laughs> that's what I need to negotiate through the door, not me. Like, so it's, it's pretty messed up at this point. Um, I have tried a number of different things. I tried to do the exact same logic with the uh, interaction system uh, player prefab. Um, and that's not working out too well either. And uh, I'm kind of running out of ideas. This morning I thought of the idea of, and I haven't had a chance to test this yet, but maybe I just need to make, in fact, I, I have tried this, but I need to try to, try it again with a better attempt. But maybe I need another object in that hierarchy. Below the camera prefab, or be below the camera rig object, make a you know a controller or body object and then make the um, VR camera 
and hands part of that object, so children of that object. <clears throat> the only thing is that I need to figure out how to, so I'd put the character controller on that object and move it around, but I need to at the same time figure out how to sync its movement up that it always stays below the VR camera. And that's the part that I haven't figured out how to do. And it's, this is all very frustrating because that plugin that I just talked about, all of this is working fine. I can run their app and look at it in the uh, viewport and see that all of their stuff stays vertically aligned. Like the camera stays where you expect it to be, right above the character controller object. Like, And it's set up the exact way that I have, and I just don't know why my code is moving things in different in different ways. So it's pretty frustrating. I'm kind of sick of this problem. I was sick of it two weeks ago. I'm really sick of it now. Um, one quite possibly terrible idea. How much work know. would be involved in ripping the scene out of their test code and replacing it with your game? Mm. Because you've got, I mean, you've got a version of code that you can edit where movement works the way you want it to work. Can you just build your game into that? No, I mean, I probably could, but like I can copy their prefab into my game and it works just fine. What I'm saying is their prefab still doesn't do everything that I want it to do. Okay. It's only 75% of what I want. Gotcha. So not having forward and backwards access on the trackpad, they've got this really wonky rotation thing that I don't like. Um, okay. So yeah. It, that is an option, but the, not my ideal option. You had gone through a number of different paths that I was losing, probably like you are, losing a little bit of cohesion between which problems are part of which potential solutions. Yeah. Yeah, so tomorrow I'm going to the co-working space. I haven't been there much lately because I've been doggy-sitting a lot. And uh, it's not very nice to doggy sit and then leave the dog alone all day. Um, so I'm going to head there tomorrow and talk to one of the developers there and see if I can get some help. And uh, other than that, I'm kind of at my wit's end. Like I spent three hours Friday night and three hours Saturday morning banging my head on this and decided like, nope, I'm not spending any more of my time on earth on this problem. <laughs> like. I clearly don't get something and I'm just spinning my wheels and, and frustrating myself. So if I can't figure out or get somebody to help me figure this out and get it working by, you know, tomorrow or this week, I'll probably just abandon this entire game idea. Like if I can't get movement working, I kind of question like, what am I even doing here? And maybe that's just me being overly negative, but it's, it doesn't feel great to be stuck on a problem for weeks and not make any progress. And I don't know. Like I just, I feel like moving a, a player around in a video game should be a pretty fundamental thing that I should be able to grasp. And I'm not able to do that. I get you. So yeah, that's my problem. That's my topic. So I'm going to, you know, give it a little bit of extra effort this week and then, uh, Maybe I'll move on to something else. I don't know. VR experiences, anyone? <laughs> 360 video? Yeah. Web VR. You got lots of options and ideas. And there's lots of things I can do without movement. 
going back to a teleportation game, it, this particular game idea just doesn't work with teleportation. Right. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got. How about you? So we've got, aside from my gripey negative uh, review of VR movement, what are you working on? So, um, as we were talking about a little bit in some of the previous episodes, I've been playing with uh, gravity wells and arcing things around and being able to curve things and all of my kind of tech tests for that have worked. And so mm -hmm. now I'm trying to figure out exactly what game I want to make with this. Mm -hmm. Like as I'm playing, I was slowly developing a weird little puzzle game where you are standing in a room by whatever definition. And there are things in the room that bend gravity and you're throwing cubes through or objects through these gravity fields and trying to achieve particular objectives. Hang time, a number of orbits, a target speed. So like, can you arc the piece so that you get a really good slingshot effect and break some speed limit or something like that? Uh, throwing objects through particular planes that aren't in line. So you've got to throw it through one plane, catch a gravity field and have it curve into the other plane. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. <clears throat> and that's like, I can make a game out of that and it will be a relatively standardly structured puzzle game where you hop in and you're just trying to solve these various objectives and I can put them together in weird ways and come up with some fun stuff. And it's pretty interesting. However, in the back of my head, while I've been playing with this, there's been another older game idea that I had that I've been kind of playing with offline, like literally in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. And it was a game about um, kind of throwing asteroids through planetary gravity wells. And the, the theme was kind of a golf of the gods. Yeah. Like there's a little spot in space out there that's the hole and you're trying to plank an asteroid into it and the problem is that between you and that hole is Jupiter. <clears throat> so you've got to curve these shots in particular ways mm -hmm. and um, there can be additional gravity wells, there can be satellites in the way, all sorts of stuff that we could use to mess up this process. Yeah. Um, that one also has a difficulty. Like right now, my singularities are, or my gravity wells are basically point sources. So they apply strong gravity, but have almost no diameter. Yeah. And so it's very easy to throw close to the gravity well and get a huge slingshot or a very high degree turn. But if I have the same gravity, but then build it into a planet that has a much larger diameter, I have much less access to the really tight turns. Mm, yeah. Is that a good thing? I, more of my shots are going to collide with the planet. So, Because the planet's in the way of me trying to arc through the, the tight parts of the gravity well. So gravity aside for just a second, I had an idea about the, I guess the front end of the game, or the 
the user end goal, you could do what you just described of like having a point where you're trying to throw the asteroid and use the planets as basically gravity wells to manipulate the object. Or you could be like the universe, you could be playing as the universe trying to destroy civilizations on these planets and hurling asteroids at them. Um, but maybe those civilizations don't want to be destroyed and they've got their own space programs and some guy in a rocket with a bomb. And uh, so you, you have to get the asteroids in, you know, maybe you're on the outside of the solar system. You can't just throw directly because they'll detect that. So you have to kind of loop it around Jupiter or hide it in the asteroid belt um, and kind of sneak up on the planet and destroy Earth that way. I don't know why so many of my ideas involve destroying Earth. But. <laughs> well, both of our ideas involved destroying Earth because part of what I wanted to do with this was if you had a missed shot where you missed short and ended up hitting the planet, I wanted to see like extinction level events mm -hmm. play out on the surface of the planet. Yeah. Now, it is an interesting statement on comparative theology <laughs> where in my world... God destroys planets purely by accident because he's trying to do something else and doesn't really care. Whereas in your world, it's the objective the entire time. <laughs> and just assume the, the universe is out to get us. <laughs> and I just assume the universe doesn't care. <laughs> we are utterly incidental to what the universe is trying to do. Um, so yeah. Um, and then within that, so we, I started with kind of Gulf of the Gods. And then in, in a discussion with you earlier this week, you threw a curveball for kind of a bowling of the gods. Which I think is, I don't know, the, the images in my mind of that game are fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's a lot of fun you could have with both. Um, you know, I... I was kind of looking forward to putting Ganesh in golf pants. <laughs> but beside the fact. Um, so if you're doing bowling, and I really like the idea, like one of my favorite uh, Wii games was always just the Wii bowling. Mm -hmm. Like lots and lots of fun. And... As long as the bowling pins are basically in a particular area, then it should work okay. But one of the ideas that we were tossing around was actually distributing the pins like around a planet. Mm -hmm. So that you'd have to do one or two shots with just the right kind of arc to clear those things out. And the problem that I'm running into, like I love this idea... The problem that I'm running into is I can't figure out how to arrange the bowling pins. So let me let me describe for you a picture and let's kind of simplify the system. So it's the sun, earth, and the moon. We have three points. There is now a plane of the ecliptic, like where everything is orbiting. We, we we have an arrangement. All of these things are kind of arranged flatly, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Now, if I arrange the pins around the planet in the ecliptic, then a bunch of those pins are behind the planet. Mm -hmm. 
Ooh, I think I may have just figured it out. So, <clears throat> so in in my version, it's always an overhead throw because I was still kind of thinking in terms of it wasn't really golf, it wasn't really bowling, it was an angry god throwing asteroids. Yeah. Um. So as an overhand throw, the asteroid ball flies towards whatever planet and picks it up. So if the pins are arranged in a nice neat line on the ecliptic, then if you're off angle by the tiniest bit, you might pick up one or two pins and it's going to fly up or down. Mm -hmm. Like your curve is going to be the wrong way. Now I could kind of clamp that asteroid to the ecliptic. Yeah. And so you're basically throwing the asteroid in two dimensions, but you're visualizing it in three dimensions. Or maybe not two dimensions, but think of it as a, a a disc, like the thickness of the asteroid belt. That's your play area. You can still go up and down, but it's a much narrower area than any okay. direction. That might work as well. So you can like kind of bounce up and maybe not bounce is the right word, but kind of have an invisible floor and ceiling. To that space yeah. that you can ricochet off of as well well if i bounce them that's a thing that you can't see at all changing the path of the asteroids or or hold on a second bowling in a tube can you just get rid of the solar system and put pins all through the tube <clears throat> and just bowling in a tube i mean that's a great name right there that's <laughs> <laughs> the episode title at least or is it more bowling in a can? Yeah. The thing about it, you just you're that makes your level design really easy. You just you're in a tube. There's pins in the tube. You got a ball. What else do you need? You know, parts of the tube apply gravity, so you could just have um, maybe just you know square panels that light up and show like this. This pushes, this pulls, and kind of use that to spin the object around the tube. This is a totally different game than the one we were just talking yeah, about a moment that's ago. Yeah, that's a third game. I might I might work on this a little bit to see if it's fun. Because um, you did share your gravity with me. Now that you've bestowed gravity upon me, I must use this power. <laughs> yeah, I gave Joe the code for things that are affected by weird gravity wells. So, And I immediately made hundreds of kind of neon-lighted objects fall from the sky and into various black holes. It's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. it, gives you, it definitely does fun things visually. Yeah. Um, so, bowling is in a can is neat. The, so the, the problem that you run into there, and it's not necessarily a stopper, it's just one of the big challenges is, like, Bowling in general has kind of a specific set of physics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that the pins are basically going to remain on a plane and they move in a particular direction. Like, I can only figure out how to do bowling in a can if we are not really using my singularity gravity stuff. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bowl on the side of the can... And try and get like a curving path where the ball swings around the can or tube. Well, you could still as it goes down. You can still use the gravity as a means to like pull the ball up to the side of the cube, but you'd have to, in order to make this a game of skill, 
rather than a game of just random chance, you'd have to almost have like very specific values rather than it's got it's currently got a very organic feel to it when you're throwing things into the gravity well. It's very unpredictable. You'd have to make it very, very predictable that like if I get this close to that object, I get this effect from it. Um, right. Which I'm not sure if that's even doable. But in order to like just thinking about it from a pure game design standpoint, it wouldn't be fun to bowl in a tube if it's just entirely random chance. Like I have to mm-hmm. I have to feel like I'm doing it, not oh, I just happened to chuck the ball that the game liked it this way. That wouldn't be very fun. So if you look at that singularity or the toy code, mm-hmm. toy is just things that I was throwing around in the game. They're the things that are affected by the gravity. That's where I put the code for how the movement of the object changes. So the, the code that does all the work isn't on the singularity itself. The singularity just has a force component. Mm-hmm. The toy is the one that actually figures out what direction it should go based upon the field of singularities that it's, that it's, finds itself in so in that code there are specific sections that control the power of the force Mm -hmm. so basically like there was that that three force that sucks something in and then it falls off by distance so one of the things that you could do is you could clamp that distance and say if you're beyond this distance no force is applied whatsoever Mm mm-hmm Okay, so it just zeroes out the force from that singularity unless you're close enough. Because one of the things that I actually had in mind as an optimization, if I ended up with a game where there were a hundred singularities, like I don't want to do a hundred pieces of point vector math for every single object on the screen every single time to figure out what direction it goes. The singularity on the far side of the board is having a gravitational effect, but it's inconsequential in the frame of everything else that's going on. Like, nobody's going to notice if that disappears. And so you could have a thing where that clamps and says, unless you're within a foot and a half, no gravity happens. And then honestly, if that happens, the toy could tell the singularity to light up. Mm -hmm. So you'd actually have a visual indication of when a singularity was actually having an impact and when it wasn't. And then the other thing that it does is it's determining by distance... So you could also kind of clamp on the near side and say, if you get within this, the force is always X. Not it gets stronger as you get closer or something like that. Yeah. And so you should get a fairly predictable curve. Maybe. I don't know. I was trying to figure out how to how to get up to a certain point and then bounce the object off. I was trying to think about that the other day. I thought that would be a really cool effect. Rather than have things get destroyed when they reach the point, have them just ricochet with like tremendous force outward. Um, yeah, well, that's a contact thing. So when the toy collides with a singularity, you can provide a force vector that's strong enough for escape velocity mm-hmm. that just pushes it away in whatever direction you want. Maybe that's based upon where the collision occurs or not. Um, so to, I mean, for my testing purposes, I wanted the toys to be destroyed in some way. Otherwise my board ended up filled with toys running around all over the place. But so two other quick ideas mm-hmm. while we're talking about this, I guess, genre of games, the gravity genre, something else that I know that you like um, rather than golf or bowling. How about pinball? 
you're already on a plane there. Um, but rather than those little rubber bouncy things, you could have gravity wells that push and pull the ball and or player. The player could be kind of fun. If you can lock the uh, rotation of the camera so you, you are the ball, but uh, you're not spinning like a ball. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I'm writing things down. Yeah, or just giant <laughs> pinball where you're still at the bottom of the the thing, but you're just chucking the ball up and playing it that way. It'd be kind of fun. The other idea is putting the gravity in the hands of the user and actually making the gravity wells almost like Portal. You've got a left hand and a right hand. You've got a black hole on your right hand and a left hole or a, a white hole on your left hand. And you just, you know, squeeze the trigger to turn those on and off. And that's how you have to manipulate. That's like the only way you can move through the world is by like pulling yourself closer to objects or repelling yourself things. But you have to avoid actually colliding with things. Like that could be kind of a fun um, three-dimensional area. Like no gravity exists except for the gravity that you hold in your hands. And you've got to navigate that environment. So manipulating objects around or manipulating yourself around. Mm -hmm. Or both. Like you'd be, you know, if you latch on to a big cube that has mass, it's going to start coming towards you and you're going to start going towards it, perhaps. <clears throat> or maybe this player just stays stationary the entire time and just have to, you have to mm -hmm. manipulate the world into like all of these go over there and all of those go over there, but they're all commingled. <laughs> I like the concept of basically being a gravity wizard. <laughs> we are just coming up with show titles. <laughs> I want to be a gravity wizard. Um, yeah. I yeah. Don't... So there's like, there's a, there's a ton of ideas there. Um, when you started talking about pinball, I was reminded of one of my favorite games from my youth, which was a pinball construction set. Mm -hmm. And so you could make your own pinball games and controlling gravity and things like that. And I don't know if I'd want to make the pinball construction set, but I could do VR 3D pinball. Yeah. What do the paddles look like? Is it just your hands? Like you're standing there at the bottom trying to stop the balls from coming in? So, you have to swing. so it, it combines all the fun of pinball with your laser paddle ball game maybe, that uh, you like so much. Maybe uh, pinball stuck to your face where the hole at the bottom is your face. So you, you really don't want anything crashing into your face. <laughs> it's your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, then the paddles are just your hands or your controllers. Yeah. Okay. We can now, unfortunately, you have to cut that part out of the show because that sounds awesome and somebody's going to do it. <laughs> okay. Let's see what no, I can do. I, I, I'm kidding. Leave it in. Um, yeah, if somebody makes that game, tell me about it and I'll buy a copy. Yeah. Like, that's... Um, yeah, neither of us have any shortage of ideas. For me, anyway, I have a shortage of capabilities, like being able to actually get any of this stuff done. 
Well, you know, one of the cool things about being the mouth on the pinball machine is that you don't really have to allow movement at all. It's just the hands. Yeah. Same thing with the gravity thing. Maybe if I just, if I make a scene that doesn't have gravity and just has lots of floating objects with physics, and they can still bounce off of each other, but there is no up or down. Um, just standing in that world. Maybe you're trying to put the world back together or tear it apart or solve more abstract puzzles. Like, I think that, that would be kind of fun to play with. So bowling in a can, if if I'm standing there in the can or tube, mm-hmm. say, looking down the length of the tube, that's just basically a straight flat surface. The fun stuff comes when you like rotate 30 degrees out of normal mm-hmm. and bowl up the side of the can. Mm-hmm. Okay, now bear with me because it's going to go someplace a little weird. If the thing is, if gravity is always pulling you, pulling you to the outside of the can, then as you're walking forward with a large enough diameter, you're effectively always walking flat, Mm -hmm. but the whole tube is rotating around you as you do it. Yeah, like I can't make you upside down because that's not going to match the gravity. But if you stay right side up and the world rotates around you, I wonder if how quickly you can make somebody vomit. Yeah. I mean, you, you could basically, you could keep it simple where maybe the player stays in a non-rotational zone and the tube is brought up, broken into sections that can rotate and you can rotate the entire thing. So maybe you just have a you know, left and right on the trackpad to, okay, I'm going to bowl from over here and then some of the levels that are more complex, like they can be broken into more sections that rotate at, at different speeds or in different directions and like objects to avoid. Like that could be kind of fun. And then we're getting away from the gravity stuff entirely at that point. That's just rotating tubes, throwing balls down rotating tubes. Yeah, but if the gravity is always pulling you to the outside of the tube, like now I want to do golf. Because if you can get the golf ball into the center of the tube, it's effectively gravity free. Because there's gravity pulling in every direction. <laughs> and so in the middle, there's zero gravity. And so if you watch a lot of sci-fi, mm-hmm. you see this as a conceit in movies and TV shows. Then they do they did that in um, uh, uh, Babylon Five. Yep. There's in the the spinal uh, uh, vehicle. Thing and there was a explosion and he had to jump out and like at first he's just floating but he's very very slowly picking up speed yeah and then he's going to collide with the outside of it so golf in that and then you were talking about having different kind of like starting positions or whatever mm-hmm. those are effectively like the locations of the various tees on a golf course yeah Now, once again, the real problem is deciding to make just one of them. Space Station Golf. All all I wanted to know, Joe, all I wanted to know was where I should put the pins. That's all I wanted to know. That's all you had to tell me. Dave, in my head, I already figured this out. This is where the pins go. And it'll all be okay. Just just down and to the left is where you should put the pins. (laughs) To the left of the sphere. 
So yeah, I, I don't know if this conversation has been helpful. It's been enjoyable. Um, yeah. You now have more options to consider. I think I'm going to play around with some of these and maybe, uh, I don't know, do something besides the VR movement for a couple of days. Yeah. Well, you're welcome to. Um, none of the, I mean, we, we only came up with half a dozen major ideas and another dozen minor ones. Yeah. So if both of us were picking randomly, we're unlikely to actually pick the same ones anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of the uh, the gravity wizards, like, you know, a white hole and a black hole and two different controllers and interacting with the environment that way. I want to see what I can do with that. Yeah. In my head, that one went to not so much two holes, but multiple ones mm -hmm. and using kind of the laser pointer to target a singularity and turn it on or off. Yeah. So if you're pointing at it and the trigger's down, that singularity is on, but the second you release the trigger or aren't pointing at it, the singularity is no longer going. So you kind of fire them off in sequence or something like that. Yeah. You also don't really have to worry about collision at that point because if you collide with the singularity while it's on, the thing just sticks to it until you release it. Hmm. Yeah, the, another idea with the the two-handed approach of like having actually holding the white and black hole, you could use the trackpad to control the strength of them. Mm -hmm. So maybe they could both just be um, black holes or white holes. And just where you're sliding up and down on the trackpad is affecting their force. And then the trigger to toggle on and off. Give me a second. I got to tell you about something. I think it was a little free app. Um, not Trickster. Where did it go? So I'm on my Mac. Mm, trying to look at Steam. It's, mm, trying to look at Steam, and it's not really letting me see everything. So there is a, there was a thing, it was free on Steam that um, allowed basically each of your uh, uh, hand controls became a gravity source. Okay. And then in the, you're just in, in a black space. And in that black space were all these teeny tiny motes of light. We're talking about like single pixel particles mm -hmm. floating around in a VR space. And you could make your each of your controllers be stronger or weaker on the gravity field. And you're just moving these things around. So you could kind of draw in swaths of motes of light. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was another thing that you would hit that would cause the gravity to reverse and everything would just get dispersed over everywhere and then you can start drawing it all together again um it was beautiful and fun to play with and i wish i could tell you the name of it but i don't know cool. it was on steam and it was free you should take a look i will take a look at all of steam i'll find the name for you and tell you and you can put it in the notes Cool. Well, that's pretty much everything I had. Anything else from you, Dave? No, no, I just got to go make some more stuff. Yeah. I got to 
make something or bang my head on movement or both. And, uh, you should go make something. I think you will find it more satisfying. Yeah. There's that. Well, that's our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm VRHermit underscore Dave. And I'm VRHermit underscore Joe. Thanks for listening. 